Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The following podcast contains explicit language. You're listening to Trumpcast, the podcast about the national emergency that is Donald Trump. What? Wait, wait a second. Who wrote this? He has a lot of great ideas. He's not a stupid man. He's worth $9 billion. I feel like our country is going down the drain. He's actually a very intelligent man who cares deeply about America. There is no question that this is the person who will go to Washington, D.C. and be able to absolutely turn the place around. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the only man, besides the Pope, who is always right. I'm Jacob Weisberg. So if you've been listening to this show, you've more than likely heard this voice before. Wow, very bad judgment. Goofy. Bernie Sanders. Crooked Hillary Clinton. The New York Times. Lying Ted Cruz. Never a nice thing to do. Mathematically eliminated. No, that's not Donald Trump. That's John D. Domenico a voice actor we've been collaborating with to bring you this show. Today, John's in New York, and he joins us in the studio to talk about his life as a Trump impersonator and just how much it has changed in the past year. But before that, here's John with some of Trump's tweets. I don't want to hit crazy Bernie Sanders too hard yet because I love watching what he's doing to Crooked Hillary. His time will come. If crooked Hillary Clinton can't close the deal on Crazy Bernie, how is she going to take on China, Russia, ISIS, and all the others? Some low-life journalists claim that I made a pass at her 29 years ago. Never happened. Like at the New York Times story, which has become a joke. Crooked Hillary wants to get rid of all guns And yet, she is surrounded by bodyguards who are fully armed. No more guns to protect Hillary. Why do the networks continue to put Dopey at Bill Crystal on panels when he has called every single shot about me wrong for two years? I can't believe that at CNN would allow the very nice Jeffrey Lord to be savaged by a panel of seven Trump haters. Seven to one. Don't watch CNN. My guest today is John D. Domenico. As listeners of the show know, he is our voice of Donald Trump, and we are really lucky to have him in our studio in New York not as Donald Trump, but as himself. John, welcome to Trumpcast. Oh, thank you. It's so great to be here. I'm honored. So what are you doing in New York? You live in Las Vegas. So what are you in town for? I'm here for two different events. I performed last night in Queens, and then tomorrow night I'll do a private party uh, for some New York elite as Trump. <laughs> I'll be roasting some uh, celebrities. These are not Trump fans. Uh, I don't know. I tell you, I'm more and more surprised who is a Trump fan. 
my hosts turns out are huge Trump fans, which I was surprised about. So I don't know what life was like for you before, but I'm thinking you are not short of work lately. No, this has been th- – this is every win, every win that Donald has had has helped me. <laughs> every time he won another primary or another caucus, more work would come in and my agents are telling me that, yes, the, the phone's ringing off the hook and there's six, seven inquiries a day and it's just – and I and I'm assuming once he really gets the nomination, it's going to be crazy. I'm working almost every day right now. I mean, you're sort of set for the rest of your life. I mean, even he loses. He's not. People are going to want to hear this impression forever. (laughs) I think it will be actually worse if he loses because he will be whining the entire time. (laughs) You have to practice your whining Trump. Can you do that? How does Trump whine? Listen, you know what? I won. This is rigged. The numbers, these are terrible numbers. These are terrible, terrible numbers. It's a horrible system, really. (laughs) I think you've got it. Now, we haven't really talked about it, but I haven't gotten the impression that you are a Trump fan or a Trump supporter? What are, what are your what's your view, actual view of what's going on? The, the, my view is I, I approach him as a character. I'm an you know I'm trained as an actor, so I try not to. The politics for me can't get too into it. I don't want it to affect my performance. It has to be kind of for me. It has to be like a, a clear position. I, I, you know, I, I you don't want it to be funny for people who like him right. as well as people, people who hate him. Exactly. So yeah. I feel like I have to ride that that line of what works on both sides. Yeah. Because I've had people who've come up to me, I don't like you at all. You know <laughs> what I mean? I hate you. And, and I've been on events where Muslim people have come up to me. And, you know, and for me, I have to, I have to warm up to them. I'm doing comedy. I don't want to alienate yeah. anybody. Conversely, people who really do like him, they're already – I'm already set with them, you know, and I don't want to be too over the – I don't want to your do base. Too, yeah, they're my base. They're my comedy base. So I don't want to do cra- too crazy with them. So there's – I'm always trying to look for a way to keep it funny, keep it real, keep the character – keep the integrity of the character. And, you know, like I said, even for corporate stuff, sometimes I have to rein it in. Because so. what – corporations are sensitive to being too negative yeah. or they, they're going to – they yeah. want, they never want to get too involved in politics. Right. They, they really want to – and, and honestly, um, I've had two jobs, one that's canceled recently because of pushback. And another, I had a trade show in Las Vegas and I arrived and I was ready to go. And the trade show association, I won't say which show it was. It was a very big show, but they decided not to have me on the show floor. After they'd already hired you. It wasn't the company. Uh. The company wanted me. They had printed hats. They had, um, you know, hats made up that, to their industry. And <laughs> Make was, blank great again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I now have 10 of those hats, by the way. Uh, Make cement mixing great again. Yeah. <laughs> so they um, – who was producing the show? They said we don't we don't want this Donald Trump character on the sh- show floor. It's divisive and this that and everything. I was like, come on, like. And for me, I was like, I wanted to honor my client. And the the producer said we'll pay his fee and your booth fee. And I just thought, wow, that's the first time that happened. But you know, most of the time it's overwhelming, and these audiences that I'm working for anywhere from you know five hundred to five thousand people, and and they're really they love it and they get it. It's it's comedy, you know. Yeah. Like, people to take it politically, like. Mm. But you do have a weird stake in Donald Trump's success, right? I mean, your interests are aligned. Yes. <laughs> yes. Incredibly, yes. I yeah. mean, I experienced this. You know, I did the Bushisms books when George W. Bush was president. And I remember when he was running for reelection, I was not a Bush supporter. I mean, the books were making fun of him. And, but 
if he got reelected, I was going to do more books and more calendars right. and that shtick was going to run. And I was having a really good time with it. And, you know, it didn't make me vote for Bush. Right. But it did. It was kind of like I was covered on the downside when he won. Yeah. He, 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 the thing I've been doing Donald Trump for 12 years. He's a fascinating guy. There's just no doubt about it. He's just absolutely the most fascinating person. He's never wrong. He's always right. He's the <laughs> smartest guy in the room. He's incredibly handsome. All of these things. And, I, you know, as just playing him as a character is is amazing because you kind of can't go wrong. Politically, that's, you know, where does he stand politically? Right. You don't even know. He's, he's been on both sides of every issue. Yeah. So. so I want to ask you a little bit about how you got started as an impressionist and how you got into doing Donald Trump. I mean, first of all, tell us about yourself. You're from, you're from, the, the, you're from Philadelphia, right? From the Philadelphia area. I'm from a town called Ambler, Pennsylvania, which is literally right outside of the city. And uh, I had a severe speech impediment as a child. Really? And, yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't. I couldn't speak. I, I, I mean, I could speak, but you couldn't understand me. My tongue was always in the way. And I found when I did impersonations of Ed Sullivan or Jimmy Cagney or whoever, it took away the impediments. So I spent most of my time speaking in other voices. Huh. So it's like w- w- people who have a stutter and sing and they can sing. Fine. Right. Because there's voluntary speech, which we're doing right now. And you don't you can't hear yourself when you speak. If you did, you'd drive yourself crazy. <laughs> and then there's um, there's involuntary speech, which is the impression impressions and the voluntary speech is what you do when you don't hear yourself. So if you take the time to create a voice, you're actually manufacturing it. and You're kind of aware of every component as you do it. And that's how I got around being I wanted to be understood. I wanted to be heard. And I didn't want to be teased. So that's how I, I got around it, was doing voices. So growing up, you were great. You cracked everybody up because you were great at doing impressions. Yeah, I was the and, big ham. Yeah. I, there's, yeah, there's home videos of home movies of me. Just, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't not be in front of the camera. And then I did eight years of speech therapy, two times a week uh, from first grade to eighth grade. And then I did kind of catch up over the years. And then um, I, did, I did accent reduction because I had a horrible Philadelphia accent. Accent reduction, that's something you study with a coach? Yeah, I had to work yeah. with a Coach, what does the Philadelphia accent sound like? Well, you know, I'll be going home later and, you know, I'm going to make a couple of phone calls and, uh, you know, I'm going to maybe have a hoagie. It's <laughs> this weird kind of – I was actually on an audition in New York. This is maybe 25 years ago. And I started out and I said home. In the, it was in the script. And the guy said, I don't know where you're from. <laughs> he goes, I don't know if you're from Baltimore or Philadelphia. He goes, but he goes, you will not be working as an actor in New York with that accent. <laughs> there so, was that amazing accent quiz. What in the New York Times a couple of years ago were based on the words you used and how they how you pronounce them. They could tell with incredible – predict with incredible precision where you were from yeah. in America. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a, yeah it's a, and that, that's one of the things. And one of the reasons I think – Trump is not an easy voice. Yeah. And one of the reasons I think I'm able to do him is because – Cause of all the speech therapy. I mean, obviously, I'm an, I'm an impersonator and impressionist, but he's technically is such a tough voice. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you to show me in a few minutes how, how you do it, but I want to hear a little more about how you did you did you always impersonate politicians or ev- celebrities, everybody? And how'd you get into doing Trump? Well, the the first album I ever bought was David Fry's yeah. Nixon: A Four Year Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I think I, I had that one too. Okay. So yeah. I loved politics. I always, I was weird. I was a weird kid. I mean, I loved comedy, but I loved David Fry and I loved political comedy. And I was, you know, I was a kid during the, the Nixon years and all these things were happening and I was just so amazed by it. And I learned to do Nixon and, um, you know, all these, all these different characters. And he was a great writer. He was a great, uh, David Fry. I don't know if he wrote the stuff, but he was a great comedy writer. So I always was interested in politics as a secondary thing to being an actor and, and comedy. In fact, I spent a year as uh, Arlen Specter's intern for him for a year huh. in, 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 in the Philadelphia office when he was uh, still a senator for uh, the state of Pennsylvania. I bet you could imitate him pretty well. <laughs> That's, I don't know if that invitation has a lot of value. You could do radio interviews. Right, yes, I yeah. could uh, do Arlen Specter. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you started doing Trump. And, and you, I've heard you say a bunch of times Trump is really hard to do. How do you learn how to do it? So with any voice, I try to approach it as technically as possible because of the speech therapy and how you break down a voice and things like that. So with Trump, I was listening. And um, what happened was I had an audition. I got called for an audition on a Friday in the morning. They said, hey, there's a Donald Trump audition on Monday. It was a voiceover. And I was kind of the person – I used to get a lot of calls for, hey, are you doing this guy yet? Are you doing this guy yet? It was like you know, when Guy Fieri first came out. Are you doing Guy Fieri yet? <laughs> so somebody called me and said, are you doing Donald Trump? And I said, uh, I said, not really. I said, when's the audition? They said, Monday. And I said, let me – let me see if I can learn it. So the end of the first season, The Apprentice had just come out. This was like 2004. We were just talking about this on the show on Friday. Yeah. yeah. And, and, we literally, and I had seen it at Costco or wherever I was like the <laughs> week before. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there it is. And there's Trump's face. And I ran back and picked it up. And I spent the entire weekend listening to it. And I broke – and I took notes and I broke down his voice, which it's I do – It's a total with, immersion method. It's like going to Middlebury for Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so with any voice, it doesn't matter who you're doing. In my mind, there's a, there's a place where there's a throat placement. There's a nasal placement. There's a vocal production, how it's actually produced. Mm. And then there's the secret sauce, which is attitude. Because yeah. it's like with Austin Bowers, baby. You know, he's very physical and open. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then with Trump, it was, okay, well, where, where is this guy at? And he's got that little bit of, you know, it's, his voice is a little gravelly, but he's very, very nasal. And one of the most important things about Trump is his very, very unusual cadence. And and if you watch that first season of The Apprentice, you can tell some of it's kind of scripted. Yeah. It's always one of these things where he says, guys, the girls really beat you this time. I have to tell you, one of you <laughs> is going to be fired. So it was almost like he was reading it off of, of something and and one of the things with Trump right now is I, I there's like four different Trump voices that I have to do. There was the original Apprentice voice, huh. which had very staccato cadence. There's the more his kind of 90-minute open mic act that he's doing for, for his stump speeches, his interviews that he does with people like Sean Hannity or um, uh, Scott Pelley or the close-up interviews. Yeah. And then there's these other kinds of things that he does where he's just more – so much more physical now. So I've tried to like, you know, I've tried to incorporate all of the different Trumpisms, you know, because there's so many different. Do you believe this guy, what he's doing? I can't believe this. So he's going up and down and he's all kind of all over the and place. And the listeners can't see you, obviously, but you are you are acting this out. I mean, you were, you were waving. You were doing all of Trump's <laughs> gestures and gesticulations. And it's part of what makes this hilarious when you, when I see you do this in person. Yes. And, you yeah. know, he does. What is that with the like with the elbows? This, he and, does this very interesting thing where he kind of just brings his arms into his body. 
body and he kind of presses them in. And it, it's always like, do you believe this? This is unbelievable. The Bernie guy, I can't believe, you know, the guy's a communist. Seriously, he is. <laughs> and the other thing about Trump is when you do his, when you're doing an impersonation of him or an impression, you here's a guy who says something and comments on what he's saying in the middle of saying what he's saying. Yeah. So you're halfway through a sentence. You have to go back and comment on the first part, then catch up and go to the. It's it's. It, yeah, it's hard to track the sentences, but when he says them, you can follow them. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I have to say, you know, when I was in Chicago, by the way, in Chicago, there's a fantastic Trump hotel. I have to tell you, it's one of the best hotels in all of Chicago. I love Chicago. The people of Chicago <laughs> love me. Anyway, I was there last week. You know, yeah. <laughs> he inverts like an entire paragraph. Yeah. Into it, one. Sentence. It's not quite stream of consciousness. It's more like inter- interrupting himself, like you say. Right. Yeah. He, he interrupts himself to compliment us. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a total connoisseur of this. But, um, I mean, I mean, what is the – where do you class the, the Trump uh, locution or accent? I mean, is this a Queen's accent modified or what is it? Here's what's really interesting. I, anytime I – you know, um, when I was learning Jay Leno, I, I was like, where's Jay Leno from? Because I, I want to learn, you know, what's the kind of the building blocks of where they're from. And, you know, Jay Leno's got kind of a very interesting <laughs> voice and he's got a little bit of a lift. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good to see you. And he goes up and down when he talks too. So like the lisp is there and I kind of understood that because of my speech impediment and then, then that, the kind of up and down thing. With Trump, um, when I first started doing him, the only people I could find at the time were Phil Hartman and there wasn't a lot of vi- – I mean there was video of him but I couldn't find a way into his voice. It was like what is he doing who speaks like this? And nobody could do it. And nobody could do it. Yeah. And, and, and the only – I was thinking who else is from Queens? Is there anybody from Queens? <laughs> and, and I thought – I started listening to other people and I thought, wait, wait, who's that guy from Queens, Christopher Walken? <laughs> and he's got that weird thing with this cadence. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. I don't, I, don't know why, I don't know if it's a Queens thing, but I thought it's interesting that he's from Queens and Trump's from Queens and they both have this very, very interesting way of speaking, this halting kind of staccato thing that Walken does too. Huh. So it's kind of – so I try to – okay, can I meld those together and, and build that into his voice? So there's a little Walken in your – There's in a little Walken in that – kind of that stop and start thing that he does. All right. So can – John, I have zero talent for impressions. I shouldn't – I shouldn't but try But you have to, a great kind of raspy voice. So you've got like the baseline that you need. So I've got one thing. But can yeah. you just show me how, to, how you do it? Show me how to do it a little bit? Well, can you take your voice and just kind of you, – you're already gravelly. So if you could take your voice and kind of push it down into your throat a little bit, kind of like take your vocal cords and tighten them up. Okay. Okay. So let's say what's, – what's the uh, – you know what? You guys worked really, really hard, but you're fired because <laughs> that's got the little bit of the New York on it. Okay. You guys worked really, really hard, but you're fired. Okay, that's good. This is what Trump does. He, um, you open your mouth because you're you're, and, and I'm I'm an actor. I always open my mouth. Yeah. He does this. So purse yeah. your lips, right? And now say that very same thing with your lips pursed. So you guys have worked really, really hard, but you're fired. Good. Now, <laughs> now take your now. The guys in the booth are laughing because yeah, I'm so bad is, at this. This is like okay. training. This is like training. I'm a guinea pig. Right, right. Now take your nose and just close your nose off. Okay. Do the same clear. exact line again. <laughs> okay. You guys have worked really, really hard, but you're fired. I don't think it's getting better. Yeah. It's getting well, no, 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 it's always when you're working on a voice, it's always pieces. It's all you're taking. Yeah. You're taking different pieces. So, and the thing is, now one other thing with Trump, if you look at his mouth when he speaks, he does this thing with his tongue. He's yeah. also because it's like Len. I'm always watching for vocal production. He forms his words 
right in front of his mouth, mm. right here. He's a big guy, but he's not very chesty. You would think his voice would be much more deeper and more in his chest. But actually, the way he speaks, his words are right in front of his mouth. So they're not in his mouth because he closes his mouth. So he's, he's not the, huh. the sound is not being produced here. The sound is being produced here. So that's why his voice is kind of right out in front of him as opposed to kind of boom, you know, coming out of his chest. So if you do the voice and produce the sounds and just do a little over-articulation of the tongue, listen, that was absolutely a disaster. That was absolutely a disaster. <laughs> getting, it's getting there. If I, you had thirty hours with 30, me, yeah, we would get yeah, somewhere. It's, it's yeah. a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot of work, and there, yeah. you, that's why there aren't a lot of people that are. It's a tough voice. It really is, and I practice every day. So, uh, and how, what do you practice? You just I have um I have a bunch of samples from him, and there's one that's absolute. There's um somebody put together a Game of Thrones Trump. It's called uh, Winter of <laughs> Winter of Thrones, and it's really funny because it's a bunch of scenes from Game of Thrones where they put his head on somebody's body, but it's about the wall they're building. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all real things that he says, but it applies to the, all the Game of Thrones stuff. So I like hearing samples of different things, and I like hearing his throwaway lines, and there's another one called Darth Trump, which is all Star Wars stuff. So I keep those on my phone. I also have a couple of his 90-minute speeches, but if I can kind of... If I can just sit down and listen to like three or four minutes before I go on of of his best of and his different ranges where he's at, that's that. But you're like a pianist. How many hours a day you have to practice this? I'll do at least an hour. Yeah, at least an hour, and I'll do it on the train, and I'll check the news every day, and I'll listen to Trumpcast just to kind of hear, (laughs) you know, not me, but to you know hear what's going on. It's it's interesting to get kind of a, a perspective on him, and I'll also listen to other impersonators. You know, what are they, what are they doing? What are they, how can, can I refine this voice? Can I make it better? Can I sharpen him? Uh, wh- who are the other impersonators? There's this guy, Anthony Adamatowick. I really like, he's doing hilarious stuff. He's a Jew communist. That Jew communist socialist, that Jew communist socialist Sandinista. Yes, I that's that. the Don I know. I want you to go for his balls tonight, can you? Of course I will. I mean, I don't... Balls! Know. I'll grab his balls. I think they hang down by his knees. Of course so they old. do. I hear them dragging when he passes me in the hall. I heard they have a little red wagon that they actually drag underneath them to hold the balls. So I, I like to listen to what other people are doing. For me, I want to keep it as really as real. I want someone to hear it and go, say, is that Trump? I want that. I, I want that confusion. That's why I really want to kind of razor, razor sharp. My kid, my son, who just turned fifteen, when I when I'm at, sitting at my computer at home playing the show, mm. he says, "Come on, that's Trump. <laughs> Don't tell me that's not Trump. That's Trump." <laughs> that's like the highest compliment. Yeah, I mean, that's it's the like highest, <laughs> highest compliment. You know. Um, so we've happened on this device of of reading you reading Trump's tweets for the show, but I mean that's. That is kind of – does that get at the essence of Trump? Oh, absolutely. It's, it, it is crystallized Trump. It is crystal meth Trump. <laughs> it really is. When you – goofy, goofy, you know, goofy Elizabeth Warren, crooked Hillary Clinton. He's just like a slogan machine. He just like pumps these things out. It's just so do you, I mean do you follow him on Twitter? Sometimes they're just the – I love Michael Douglas. I mean they're just so <laughs> random. Why does he love Michael Douglas? Why is he telling us now? What did Michael Douglas do? What? 
My, I always think like, does this guy sleep? <laughs> I don't think he does. I think he, I think he tweets late at night and early yeah. in the morning. Yeah, yeah, and it's just you know, it's a bing, 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 bing. It's it just cracks me up. I, I feel like if if I was with him at a at a bar, I'd be like, Donald, get off the phone and just talk to me. <laughs> Stop tweeting. <laughs> So uh, can he – you're going to have to maintain this voice, but can he maintain this voice without losing it through a campaign? I mean Hillary was was hoarse and you know you could barely understand a word she said by the time of the New York primary. Trump seems to – I mean he doesn't follow the lessons of the voice coach, right? Of where you're no, saying. he doesn't. And you know who else doesn't? Uh, Bill Clinton. He, you know, Bill Clinton's very, very he gets known super for losing. Yeah, because Bill Clinton does something <laughs> very, very specific. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Bill Clinton, he um, – one good thing that Trump does do as an actor, he fills his lungs up and then he speaks. But it, you'll notice with Bill Clinton, people like him, he just talks and talks and talks and talks. <laughs> and his voice goes all the time. Hey, how you doing? How are you? Hey, Hillary's doing a great job. You know, because he empties out his lungs. Just Trump, yeah. Trump seems to keep his lungs filled and he's able to speak. I mean, the guy does 90 minutes. There's 90 minutes on four notes. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> You know, I think I think he'll I think he'll hold up. But I did notice his voice was kind of raspy, a little more beaten up on some some of the other things. I don't think anyone's used to speaking that much. And what's the what's the difference between Trump's Queens and uh, Bernie's Brooklynese? Uh, going back to when I took all my original notes, I thought it was very interesting that Trump somehow doesn't have New York in all of his words. It's kind of like in every fifth or seventh word. So it's kind of like you go back to go back to the apprentice. Listen, you worked really, really hard. Unfortunately, you're fired. So like it's on. It's only on certain words. And I always thought that was very interesting that his New York thing doesn't always show up. And then sometimes he overemphasizes other words. Bernie, you can hear Brooklyn in every word he says. Brooklyn, of course, the one percent of the five percent of the ten percent. It always seems always so upset. You know, he's kind of like Regis Philbin. You know? <laughs> uh, but Bernie can't let go. I mean, he's he, there's no way he can win. He can win the primary, but he's going all the way to California, and he's really hurting Hillary at this point. I don't care. I'm going to keep going because the one percent of the five percent of the ten percent <laughs> have to know what's going on. <laughs> John, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, listen, if you want to find him, you can find him at johnnyd.net. And his Twitter handle, as I know, is at johnnyd23. Oh, yes. Thank you. It's great to be here. And I'll keep the uh, tweets coming from Las Vegas and around the country. That's it for today's episode of Trumpcast. The show is produced by Henry Malofsky and Jason DeLeon. Slate's executive producer is Steve Lichtai. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. Thanks again to our guest and voice of Donald Trump, John D. Domenico. You can find him online at johnnyd.net and on Twitter at johnnyd23. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. I don't want to hit crazy Bernie said. <laughs> oh my God, this guy is unbelievable. <sighs> okay. I don't want to hit crazy Bernie Sanders too hard yet because...